you know, try to speak as many languages as you can and have as many tools in your toolbox. Because uh, that's really what, at the end of the day, is being a developer is, is that you're not going to know how to do everything, uh, but you need to be able to speak the language and find someone that can do it for you. So, you know, finding good consultants and uh, forming good relationships with people in, in the real estate community is really important. So, you know, networking obviously is real important. Uh, getting to, to know, you know, not just other developers, but consultants and you know, anyone involved in the business because there's going to be a time where, you know, there's a fire drill and, and you're going to need someone uh, more than they need you. Welcome to the Placemaking Podcast. Podcast. The show geared at helping real estate developers learn and understand important aspects of the development process while improving communities one at a time. Each week, we'll discuss major facets of the real estate development process with industry professionals. Now, here's your host, Matthew Lowe's. Hello and welcome, everyone. I want to thank you for joining this show. I am extremely excited about our guest today. This is going to be another great episode. Scott is a good friend of mine and project manager at Streetlights Residential in Dallas, Texas, just down the road. Scott has been successfully managing projects with streetlights for almost four years now. His civil engineering background gives him a unique perspective and skill set when tackling development opportunities. The firm he works with, Streetlights Residential, is one of the premier developers of urban, multifamily, and mixed-use communities in the country. The home base is here in Dallas, Texas. With their in-house development, design, and construction expertise, the Streetlights teams create custom luxury communities that rival the experience, lifestyle, and amenities of living in an urban boutique hotel. So in this episode, we're going to discuss certain hurdles that Scott faced while managing his first project, ways he and his teams overcame difficulties on projects, and loads of advice for someone looking to become a project manager in a ground-up development firm. I'm excited to dive into this one. So as always, if you have enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the show and share with all of your friends. There will be more exciting conversations on the shows to come. So without further ado, let's start the show. Hey, welcome to the show, Scott. Thank you for having me. Yeah, glad to have you on board. So I said my introduction, you, you're a project manager there at Streetlights, and talk briefly about Streetlights, but if you would, just give a little bit about your experience, your background, and, and maybe just a little bit more about Streetlights. Yeah. Um, well, I'll do, I'll do my, I'll do Streetlights first. Um, <laughs> okay. It started in 2011, uh, founded by two guys by the name of Doug Chestnut and Tom Bakewell. They uh, split off from Gables Residential, which is a privately held REIT. They were kind of made up a big part of the development team for Gables. And uh, it was kind of after the recession, and Gables decided that they were going to slow down their developments and, and worry more about their existing cash flows and, and really focus on asset management and uh these guys were developers and they wanted to keep building. So <laughs> they decided to uh, move on and start Streetlights. Uh, they brought a big contingency of uh, 
have of people over from Gables with them, and and so the kind of the core founding group was a big Gables group, um, mm-hmm. and so uh, started in Dallas. Their very first deal uh, was the Taylor, which is an uptown, so 17-story tower, so right out of the gate, um, kind of made a big statement with um, you know the kind of deals that they were doing, mm-hmm. um, and so. Yeah, so started in 2011, um, just had two people to start with, and they brought more over, um, and then, uh, you know, has grown into a, you know, now fast forward to 2020, uh, we've done over $3 billion in, uh, in capitalization, we've got 180 employees, uh, that includes a construction company, a development company, uh, design studio, which has the ability to be the architect of record and interior design uh we've got development we've got finance capital markets um so pretty vertically integrated kind of a design build model um uh, that has worked well for us um for this cycle and so that's wow. that's street lights and then myself i came out of school and i went into the civil engineering world with jacobs engineering which was a it was the old carter burgess land development group that got acquired back in 2009, I believe. And um, so it was the remnants of the Carter Burgess group and uh, was doing single family development engineering. So I was an engineering consultant on those uh, for big master developer, home builder types. So like Lenar and Pulte and uh, DR Horton and groups like that. And, uh, so I was I was the engineer on those, starting out as an EIT, uh, kind of went into project management for that, and then decided that engineering, uh, you know, I had, had to do try something new and uh, went to nights and weekends school at SMU for my MBA, and then in the middle of all that, uh, a guy I used to work with at, at Jacobs uh, brought me on at Streetlights uh, to kind of help our help our development team on the front end and so been at streetlights for three and a half years now and uh been learning everything i can wow yeah single family is a little different how was that transition yeah so single family um the engineer the civil engineer is kind of the the rock star (laughs) and they they uh they control a lot of the process, and then a lot of the success of the project relies upon them. Whereas in multifamily, you know, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of cooks in the kitchen to make it work. And typically, kind of the architect of record is seen as the is kind of the main consultant that um, coordinates everything. And uh, then, obviously, being on the development side is completely different. Your eyes are open to a lot more than just uh, than just building the building and designing it, but um, the deal side and how how it all comes together from uh, acquiring the land to entitlements to finding equity versus investors and uh, structuring the deal uh, so that everyone's happy and and understanding the risk involved and then also understanding uh, how the asset will operate in the uh, in the end because at the end of the day you're you're underwriting a business it's a you know it's an apartment renting business. Um, mm-hmm. So you have you have employees associated with the asset between managers and leasing staff and 
uh, custodians and whatnot. And, and so you got to understand that, um, you know, you're, it's a, it, each deal is its own, you know, whatever size is 50 million or hundred million, but it's its own $50 million business that you're underwriting. Uh, <laughs> and so you got to make sure that it performs correctly. Sure. Sure. So, you know, we kind of mentioned how you got into development to, uh, you had a, a moment where you decided that maybe engineering wasn't going to be your end all. And then, uh, you started going to SMU for, for your master's. Did it, did it really start before that though? Or is that something that, uh, is this something that you've wanted to do for, for a while before maybe even engineering came along? Uh, you know, I always like real, real estate because, uh, you know, everyone likes that it's a hard, tangible asset and you drive by and say, that, oh, I, you know, I had a hand in that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the fun part. Uh, but understanding everything that went into it to get to that point is, is fun, too. Um, I'd say getting that itch probably uh, happened mostly while I was an engineer because I was working with developers, single-family developers, which is a little bit different. But, um just seeing their side of the table and, you know, um, I was asking questions that, um, you know, civil engineering probably, uh, didn't, didn't, wasn't really concerned with. Um, so <laughs> I, could, I could, I could tell that I was leaning towards that, uh, myself. Sure. But yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just got the itch, finally scratched it. Um, <laughs> well, that, that sounds like a, an awesome opportunity there at Street Lights. Um, is I guess usually architects kind of make their way into development role. Uh, do you think you have an advantage being an engineer going in? Sure. You know, um, I was just talking about this with someone today, actually, but um, it's a pretty big advantage to understanding the horizontal aspect of development because the vertical, you know, it almost is what it is. There's things that can go wrong, but you're in control of your own destiny for the most part. Where in the horizontal aspect, you know, being civil and understanding easements and uh, utility lines and uh, what's underneath the ground is important. And, you know, getting mm-hmm. everything to that till you get your foundation, um, all that stuff is kind of a gray area and an unknown until you really get in there and dig in. Uh, you know, that builds from the 1940s or 1800s even for a lot of these infill sites that we've done that have never been touched in a long time, uh, you know, just don't cut it. So understanding um, understanding the horizontal aspect of development is important. Especially, and obviously coming from the single family world, that was the, the most important because they could frame up a residential home pretty quick where, mm-hmm. you know, doing the, doing the utilities in the streets and, and, and all that is most important the most time, uh, timely and most cost associated with it on the single family. And then, you know, obviously for a multifamily, kind of like a concrete high rise, obviously the building costs the most to do, but the horizontal mm-hmm. piece, you can really blow a budget real quick. If, you know, if you miss a few things, um, for example, on one deal, uh, before I started, it was, it had just started before I started and they ran into, they didn't understand that, they needed to haul off the dirt and dispose of it um, because it was for environmental reasons. And they didn't really Uh-oh. understand that completely. And so just, you know, that's a big, that's a big miss on the budget, you know, day one. Um, 
that could have been avoided. So things like that um, are really important to know uh, that can affect your bottom line. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I actually had a discussion on here with uh, so a geotech, and and we came across actually and a contractor and uh, GC talking about environmental remediation and yep. uh, how that you know it's not always detectable um, even if you do have the the right uh, consultants in place beforehand it's it's always the roll of the dice interesting so you you talked about you know your transition what did that look like to your first project you know, my first one, it was just kind of helping out here and there where you can. You don't really get plugged in for a while trying to find trying to find your footing. And then the very first project I got where I kind of saw it from, you know, from cradle to grave uh, is down in Austin. Um, it's called the Elizabeth. And um, that one was real interesting because it's in a suburban location. But it uh, it it's part of a master plan that doesn't really exist yet. <laughs> and so we were trying to build just a one-off deal in a master plan that really needed to, you know, you have to go through all the process and the, and the steps involved with the master plan that to kind of think ahead and not, not paint yourself into a corner in the future. So um, really got a good taste of uh, seeing a master plan exercise as long as with trying to execute on a single building inside that. Uh, so it was good, good experience. So, yeah, so that was a, a bit of a hurdle, right? Uh, right, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was the biggest hurdle was that, oh, really? you know, the, the guy that owns the land uh, didn't want to master plan it himself and wanted to keep everything open in mm-hmm. case some big user came along. And so from, you know, from the standpoint of drainage and utilities, you know, do I just bring stuff that serves my side or do I think ahead and stub out in the correct places and uh, think about detention uh, regionally and mm-hmm. water quality, all that type of stuff, uh, which it was, it was hard because he didn't want to spend the dollars to understand his, his site like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's a 80 it's a acre site or whatever. And, and we were taking, seven or eight acres off in, in one phase and we're doing another phase with another seven or eight and then another one with five. So we're trying to understand if we just take our little piece, um, you know, setting him up for success down the line and maybe if there's future phases for us, um, who knows, but uh, trying to fully understand uh, what a master plan looks like without really anyone stepping into that master developer role. It has been uh, an interesting uh, learning curve. <laughs> uh yeah, I was working on a project recently that was similar to that where the uh the owner <clears throat> did not want to figure out how to develop the the entire portion of his site or the entire piece and uh basically delegated that to the individual developers to figure out for themselves <laughs> and that, nothing good comes from that. <laughs> sure. Yeah, if you need someone that can tie it all together and Everyone has their own interests in mind, and you know I'm. I don't want to spend a lot of money with if not if no one's there to help share the cost on the other end. So mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't it doesn't help my project performance. Um, so right. it's been it's uh, been a little bit of hand holding, but it's been fun uh, to figure out that side of the business too. 
So is that currently being built, or is that yeah? Uh, so it's, it's it's open. People live in it. Um, okay. It's it's finishing construction, but uh, most of the building's done, and uh, it's been successful. That's that's always good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in Austin, it's tough. Austin is not an easy place. Definitely not. Develop. No, it's it's uh, getting a site permit down there can usually take a year and a half or over a year at least, and uh, it's been and slow down there, but it's it is that represents a barrier to entry somewhat. And so, if you can get a deal done, then if you got a shovel ready site, you should take it. Yeah, that's a great great point. So, what what has your, been your favorite project so far? Favorite project would probably be I worked on uh, the Hamilton, which is a part of the Epic uh, mixed use development in Debellum, which uh, Uber is taking the office building the one and the second one they're building we did a 26 story high rise 310 units uh right in the same development with some ground floor retail uh so obviously that one's fun because it's kind of a a sexy deal in town that <laughs> people like to talk about and now now that the office building has a kind of a cool user there's a lot of hype to it and uh we we got to do some cool things with that building where uh, you know, the finishes are pretty, you know, debellum-like where it's very, uh, you know, lots of color and uh, pretty trendy type stuff. So it's, just, it's not your traditional, uh, it's pretty out of the box and it's uh, pretty fun to work on. Yeah, that's your uh, street lights, most of your developments are very high-end. So do you still keep that same feel and it's just a little... Little trendier is that is that what you guys were going with? Or? Yeah, well, I mean we're hoping to nail that kind of people that could live in Uptown uh, mm -hmm. that would prefer to live in Deep Ellum uh, because of the neighborhood and it's got a little bit more character, feels a little bit more authentic. It's got that industrial feel with that exposed brick, mm -hmm. uh, lots of color. Uh, you know we've got the we've got the the graphics that look kind of like you know, street art and, and uh, graffiti type um, graphics in places. And we've got artwork um, that will be circulated through the building. And, uh, so yeah, it's got a lot different feeling than a, a traditional uh, building that you'd see anywhere else. Awesome. So what kind of, uh, what kind of things have you run into with that? Is it, has it been fairly Smooth sailing, or is it uh, is it a one? You know, uh, we had a great construction team on it that we used. That we used, uh, they kind of stick together for the last few years, and uh, they knocked that one out of the park construction wise. Uh, the only the only challenges were up front was you know we were doing a residential tower, uh, KDC was doing the office tower, uh, and then a different group was doing the hotel, but. Uh, Kind of playing in the same box as everyone and, and making sure mm -hmm. that, you know, where property lines start and stop and who's doing the utilities and just kind of where you draw that line in the sand of this is mine and that's yours. Uh, just so it's just basic things like that. Is, uh, but the, all those, you know, worked with a great group. You know, all the groups involved were very professional and kind of top of their class. So, uh, you know, the execution pieces of that deal uh, went pretty smoothly. A, a tough piece was they had to abandon an alley uh, mm. 
and and just going through the the uh, city attorney's office is uh, super <laughs> tough. So um, that can take some time, but just uh, getting all that stuff permitted and everything. Uh, Everything went pretty smoothly. City of Dallas is pretty easy to work with compared to other jurisdictions, um, and we were off to the races. Yeah, I'm sure your reputation in Dallas has probably made things a little easier for you guys uh, with your professionalism. I'm sure that helps uh, get things permitted a little faster. Sure, but yeah, we try to uh, have a good reputation and, uh, you know, People, if people like working with you, then you're more likely to get more deals done. Uh, the, the work's hard enough already, so why would you make it hard on yourself that way? <laughs> good point. Very good point. What was your What was the lead time on that uh, leading up? You know, how long did it take you guys from conception to, I won't say permitting, but uh, I guess construction? Yeah, how long so, do you think that took? That that site's unique because the the people that own it uh, have owned it for a long time, and they and they uh, over time assembled the site. So I, I couldn't even tell you how long it took them to assemble the site. Mm-hmm. But uh, we started working on it in 2015, um, mm-hmm. and and was the first time we really started to touch it. And and then I'd say. We it got put on hold for a little bit, and then 2016 is where we really kicked it off and said, "Okay, we're going." Uh, and then, you know, fast forward to, you know, February 2020 today, and we've we had our first people move in, uh, you know, a, a couple weeks ago or a month ago, right before Christmas, I think. Um, so, you know, end of 2019 is when people moved in and. I'd say 2016, beginning of 2016, is when we really kind of hit the go button on that. So you can see okay. the lead time for these projects. Three years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's from from when we just sit down and say, okay, you want to do something here, to when you actually have a resident moving into a high rise, um, that's a pretty good. Uh, that's pretty quickly compared to sure. go out west to California and entitlements <laughs> can take years. Um, right. So. That site was nice because it had downtown zoning on it. Not many sites that are east of 345 have that type of zoning. There's only a handful. So actually, we could have built, you know, sky's the limit on that site. Uh, okay. But so you didn't have to do any zoning or anything when. No, this no. Project. So it was okay. it was it was ready to go by right. Wow, that is nice. But you did have the entitlement as far as removing that alleyway. Right? Yeah, so that was the only that was the only entitlement issue that we needed to fix. And did you guys handle that, or or did you uh, use a consultant? We had a consultant. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right. So, you know, you, you're kind of you're still fairly new into development uh, as far as uh, the guys that started it been, been there quite some time, but what? What advice would you give somebody that wants to pursue a career in in a real estate development firm? You know, just be open to all aspects of the business and, uh, you know, try to speak as many languages as you can and have as many tools in your toolbox. Uh, Because that's really what, at the end of the day, is being a developer is, is that you're not going to know how to do everything. 
but you need to be able to speak the language and find someone that can do it for you. So, you know, finding good consultants and uh, forming good relationships with people in, in the real estate community is really important. So, you know, networking obviously is real important. Uh, getting to, to know, you know, not just other developers, but consultants and, you know, anyone involved in the business because there's going to be a time where, you know, there's a fire drill and, and you're going to need someone uh, more than they need you. So uh, it's it's important to know that, you know, a lot of developers get this, you know, uh, thought that everyone works for them. And I don't think that at all. I think everyone works together um, because, like I said, you know, everyone needs each other um, to make these deals happen. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And they tend to work a little better when everybody is working together. That's right. Yeah. So what's the best advice somebody's given you as far as development goes? Do you have any mentors that uh, gave you some nugget that uh, that's helped, helped you get to where you're at? Sure. Um, you know, some of the good advice I've gotten is that, um, you know, not every, you know, not getting a deal isn't the end of the world. And sometimes the best deals that you've, that some of the best deals for you are the ones that you've missed out on. <laughs> um, and, yep. uh, you know, I've, I've read before about all the, the old Trammell Crow guys back in the 80s um, when they all kind of went upside down that a lot of them said they wish they played golf more rather than do as many deals as they could and, and, take on the amount of risk they had, uh, which I thought was funny. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, pick and choose deals that make sense and um, try to stay lean, uh, you know, and um, really focus on uh, quality assets and, you know, forming quality relationships that will help you succeed in the long run. And, you know, if you're going to do something, don't don't just half-ass it, you know, actually, you know, uh, see it all the way through sure those are all great points yeah uh well what what do you think has made you a successful project manager for uh for street lights is there a certain skill set or a certain mindset that you you feel like has made you a little more successful you know one thing that, yeah one thing that i try to do is uh, be humble, hungry, and people smart. And so if you can do those three things, then you're going to do well in whatever business you're in. I like that. <laughs> I like that. People smart. Mm -hmm. I guess what, how do you define that? Yeah, so that's, you know, a lot of people are book smart or not book smart, but, um, you know, <laughs> it, it's good to have a skill in being people smart and uh, understanding relationships side of the business because you know for us that's that's everything for us um, you know if you're likable you can go really far in this industry you know you got to have a technical skill set to go along with that uh, but if no one likes you uh, you're gonna have a hard time sure sure yeah I mean as in development you you wear several hats and one of those hats has to be agreeable at least to a point, uh, you know, that's that's a great point. So you being humble as in learning from others and, and then also being 
being people smart has made you successful, you think? Yeah. I mean, just the combination of all that and focusing on what's important and not so much, you know, the, there's some developers out there that they want their name to be in the paper and they want to, you know, they're willing to take on a ton of risk just to, you know, do the big sexy deal or, you know, whatever it may be, but you know, there's, there's good deals out there, even if they don't look like it. So, um, and then obviously the hungry part is you know, being ambitious and, and hardworking and, and having that drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, all important. Awesome. Well, I, I want to let you get back to your, uh, get back to your, your deals right now. I know you said you got the hunger, so I got to let you, <laughs> I got to let you eat, man. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you being on here. All right. Well, thanks for having me. All right. We'll talk to you later.